Welcome to the Woman-Centered Health Podcast. I am Dr. Nicole Lowe, and with me is Dr. Stephanie Edmonds. We are both PhD-prepared nurses and the founders of Woman-Centered Health. Join us as we talk with health professionals and researchers who can help you improve your communication with patients about sexual and reproductive health. Please visit our website to learn more and connect with us on social media by going to www.womancenteredhealth.com. and welcome to the Woman-Centered Health Podcast. Today we are speaking with Tessa Mills from Empowered Coaching, who is a certified fertility awareness educator about fertility awareness and advocacy. We also just want to make a quick update that for in and a special thank you for our Patreons or patrons rather who have been sticking with us. We know we're behind on our show notes, but we are working on updating our process and making that experience better. And so if you want to help support the Woman-Centered Health Podcast, you can do that by becoming a patron of the Woman-Centered Health Podcast by going to www.womancenteredhealth.com. Hi, Tessa. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast today. So we always ask our guest two questions. Our first question is if you could give us a little bit of background about you, like your education, your career, that kind of thing. Yeah, thank you all for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this with you all today. So yeah, my name is Tessa Mills, and I live in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and I actually started my career as a licensed massage therapist. So I worked at a a small salon and spa in Ames, and I did that working nights and weekends while I was working on my bachelor's of science at the um, Iowa State University. So I earned my bachelor's degree in community and public health in 2016. And then after that, I went on and worked for the Iowa Cancer Consortium at the University of Iowa until this past September in 2020, when I actually left to start my business in powered coaching as a fertility awareness educator. So the other question we always like to ask our guest is what informs your perspective? So in other words, why do you do what you do and what is most valuable to you? I, first of all, want to say I love this question. When I met Nicole and I found this podcast, I, I actually start asking people that this exact question because I think it really gives such a kind of a why behind why people do what they do and how their experiences sort of shape how they operate in the world. So I'm really excited to answer this question. And honestly, I would say from a pretty early age, my mom was very influential in informing my perspective around women's health and especially women's reproductive health care. She was always very open about her own experiences with reproductive health care and birth control experiences and pregnancy, labor, delivery. And a lot of her experiences were actually pretty negative. I remember her talking a lot about using hormonal birth control and how she really experienced a lot of really negative side effects with anxiety and depression. And so she would always say often, you know, I never could use it. I, it really worsened my anxiety and it just wasn't something that worked for me. And she also was really open about her experiences with um, being pregnant and, and having quite a bit of weight shame around that, particularly from healthcare providers. And, 
you know, she talked often about when she was in labor, um, being denied pain medication, which actually deterred her from having a third child, which is something even to this day, she says she still somewhat regrets. So kind of hearing all of that, you know, as a, as a young kid, I mean, we were always very open about periods and birth control and reproductive health, which was great. And so hearing all this, you know, I learned at a young age that you, you really do have to advocate for yourself and you have to sort of take charge and take matters into your own hands when it comes to your reproductive health care as a woman or as someone who identifies as a woman. So that really sort of informed my perspective a little bit. And then, you know, my personal experiences, I, I had spent pr- almost a decade um, on birth control for irregular periods. And when I was in my early 20s, sometimes I would go six months to a year without a period and had no idea why it was happening. And every doctor that I saw just said, there's really nothing we can do for you other than give you birth control to, to regulate your periods. And I also experienced quite a few side effects with birth control, a lot of anxiety. I struggled with anxiety throughout most of my 20s, but I felt like that was my only option to sort of regulate my my periods. And it wasn't until I met my husband in 2018, um, we met and knew right away that we were going to be together and, and at some point would want to start a family. And at that time, I thought, well... I need to figure out what's going on with my regular periods. It's going to be very hard for me to get pregnant, (laughs) you know, only having a period every six months or so. And so I, at that point, I thought I'm going to just figure this out. And so I went off of birth control at that time and I taught myself how to chart my cycles using fertility awareness. And so fertility awareness is, and I really want to define this because I think that there's a lot of misconceptions around what fertility awareness is and what it means and what it entails. And so at that point in my life, I read the book Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Weschler, which is a fantastic book I recommend everybody have a copy of. And I learned how to chart my cervical fluid, my basal body temperatures. And I also spent a lot of time reading research around what the cycle chart can actually tell you about your overall and reproductive health. And so I spent a year charting my cycles and I was still after a year having very, very long cycles, sometimes up to like 50 day plus cycles. And I knew based on my family history that there was likely something either going on with my thyroid or possibly PCOS. And so I went to my healthcare provider at that time for a physical I brought my charts. I explained, you know, my health history and everything that had been going on. And I also said to her, you know, I want to make sure not only that I'm healthy, but I want to make sure that when my husband and I decide to start a family that we'll be able to. And she was very discouraging around really looking into what was going on. And she really had the same response that every other healthcare provider I had seen in the past decade said. And it was, if you're not trying to get pregnant right now, this really doesn't matter. And in that moment, I, I recognized this massive gap in how we approach women's reproductive health care. And it's that we're not proactive when it comes to when females are having irregular cycles or issues with their cycles, whether that be long cycles, painful periods, heavy periods. And we're really just approaching the solution to that with birth control. But what I ended up finding out in that moment was I I really, I said, no, I really want to look into this. I want to figure out what's going on. 
And through that, I learned that I had a thyroid disorder. I learned that I had Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, and I have no idea how long that was going on. I have no idea how long that could have been masked with the birth control that I was taking. And so in that moment, I realized, wow, this is a massive gap. We're really not being proactive with women's reproductive health and being able to chart my cycles and finally get answers to what was going on was just incredibly empowering to me. And I really, at that moment, realized this is my purpose. And I want to, I want to teach other people how to do this and and how to really take control of their reproductive health. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Tessa. That's definitely, you have quite a story and you can tell how it informs and why you're so passionate about what you do. Okay, so like we said, today we're going to talk about fertility awareness and advocacy. So let's jump right in. And this is probably the question that maybe most listeners have right now is, and can you start out by sharing with us a little bit more about how you approach fertility awareness and how it is different than, you know, more quote unquote traditional or religious based fertility awareness? Yeah, absolutely. So I I want to start with just defining what fertility awareness is and sort of break down some of the terminology because like I said earlier, there's a lot of misconceptions around fertility awareness. I think that when a lot of providers hear fertility awareness, they sort of go to, oh, this is Catholicism. This is religion. This is ineffective. And that's actually not the case. So when you hear the term fertility awareness based methods, that in and of itself is sort of an umbrella term. And there are many different methods of charting the menstrual cycle that fall under that umbrella term. And what they all involve are charting what are called your biomarkers. So the biomarkers that a fertility awareness method would would chart, and they're all different. Each each method charts different biomarkers. They're different in, in two different ways. Each method has its own method of charting specific biomarkers, and then the educational components within each method look a little bit different. So they're all a little bit different. But in general, the goal with using a fertility awareness-based method is that the charter or the menstruator has the tools to be able to read their body signs of fertility. So we're talking about understanding what does fertile cervical mucus look like? What, how to chart your basal body temperature to see when you've ovulated? Some methods also involve uh, using luteinizing hormone testing or ovulation predictor kits. And some of them also incorporate cervical position charting to be able to tell when you're fertile. And so I want to make this really clear. Fertility awareness is not the rhythm method. That's probably the number one misconception that I even hear providers assuming or making. So the rhythm method would be defined as really the first form of natural family planning. It was developed in the 19 early late 1920s, early 1930s. And at that time it was based on the best science that we had. We knew that a woman ovulated somewhere around the midpoint of her cycle. And so the rhythm method is a a method in which you're using the lengths of a female's previous cycle lengths to determine and calculate when she's going to ovulate. And the reason that the rhythm method is not as effective as a fertility awareness-based method is that you cannot accurately predict future fertility based on past cycle data. So one of the things that we know is that the follicular phase, so the first phase of a female cycle, is the most variable. So there's lots of things that can interfere with when someone ovulates. So you can 
get sick, you can have a change in medication, stress, stress is a huge one that affects when a person will actually ovulate. And so that's why the rhythm method is largely ineffective, especially for contraceptive purposes, because it's, it's not real-time data. Now, fertility awareness-based methods, on the other hand, are using real-time data on your biomarkers to say, am I fertile today? So some of the most effective fertility awareness-based methods are going to be the cervical fluid-based methods. And, and what they teach a charter or a menstruator to do is be able to identify their cervical fluid and say, am I possibly fertile today? So those are the most effective methods. And what's really interesting too is then it gets even a little bit deeper is there's also a term that gets thrown around a lot, natural family planning. And when someone is practicing natural family planning, what that means is it's defining how they are navigating their fertile window. And for someone to practice natural family planning, what that means is that person is, is able to identify their fertile window and abstain from any sexual intercourse or non-PIV activities. So there's complete abstinence in that window. Now for a fertility awareness-based method, if you're practicing fertility awareness and, and especially if you're practicing it in a secular view, which, which I am a secular fertility awareness-based educator. So that means I'm not approaching any of this from a religious-based standpoint, but when someone's practicing a fertility awareness-based method from a secular standpoint, that fertile window, it is completely up to them with how they choose to manage it. So if they choose to abstain completely within the fertile window, that's 100% their choice. If they choose to use barrier methods during that time, that's completely their choice. And so my role as an educator is to teach and inform my clients how to use these methods and how to decide, okay, what is your intention level with conceiving or with avoiding pregnancy? And here are all your options that you can use to manage your fertile window, whether that be abstinence, if that's something that you're most comfortable with, or if it's using a barrier method during that time. So I, I just really like to kind of walk through sort of the, the differences in all of those terminology, because there is so much misconception. And I also like to really point out that as a secular educator, I really firmly believe in sticking to the science. So it's it's not my role to, to tell a client or to tell a woman, oh, this is what you should be doing because this is right or wrong. It's here are all of the, your options and here are the ways that you can chart, but let's work together and figure out what based on your goals are, what's going to work best for you. So I, that's really how I approach it. And that there's actually quite a growing of educators like me that are secular and are coming from this place of, we recognize the the power in fertility awareness and the science behind it and how beneficial it can be for so many people. And people are just really passionate about getting the word out there about these methods because traditionally they've really been sort of thrown by the wayside. And I think a lot of people sort of turn their nose up when they hear fertility awareness. So it's really exciting to be part of the secular movement of educators and practitioners that are saying, no, there, there is science, there's data, there is, there's benefit to these methods, both for a patient and for a provider. I'm glad you brought up that about, I don't, 
like, you know, kind of given the side eye Mm -hmm. (laughs) to fertility awareness methods. I know when Nicole approached me about this topic, I did that. I used to work as a triage nurse at an outpatient OB-GYN clinic that was a Jesuit Catholic affiliate. And we didn't, you know, we still prescribe birth control and inserted IUDs and et cetera. But there was one provider there who would only teach fertility awareness methods because she didn't believe in birth control or using that. And so her clients were generally, you know, of the same faith. So like that made sense. And those situations, but it always kind of felt like you were saying like, it's not very effective as a birth control, yada, yada. So when Nicole said that, I was like, I don't know, is it? it? (laughs) But then since talking to you, I've, you know, and this was over 10 years ago, too. So I think that there's been a lot that's happened over that time. And I think that people, you know, you have to cater to everyone like you need as a provider, like you said, if the patient wants to do or not to do certain things, we need to be able to speak to that. And we don't need to be experts on it, but we need to know that there are like you experts on this that you can send patients to um, if that's what they want. I definitely had to pitch like not in the creepy way you're thinking. (laughs) She does fertility awareness, but like not in the weird way. And just to clarify I have nothing against like people who are Catholic. I just don't like when if you're a Catholic provider and then you don't give people all their options because you want them to follow the space that you decided. So, but I really, really like this work that you're doing. So um, you kind of talked about the next question, but I'm at. I'm going to ask you in case you want to answer a little bit more detailed or directly. So can you talk about how fertility awareness is empowering? Oh, that could be a whole nother episode that we could spend an hour talking about, but I will be brief. (laughs) So I want to share not only my perspective of how it was empowering for me, but I also, I want to share, and I'm going to share this with permission. I've talked to a few clients and some friends of mine who also practice fertility awareness about how it's been so empowering for them as well. And for me, I, I remember this so distinctly. So I remember going off birth control. And it was the first time I'd been off of birth control in probably a decade. I think I had been on it for about, for about 10 years. And there, you know, there was a transition with going off of the birth control and sort of dealing with sort of the side effects of coming off of birth control. And what I found to be so empowering was, first of all, I've always been fascinated with the female reproductive system. I mean, I had a, um, I used to steal my mom's like women's health textbook when I was a kid and I, I go into my room and I flip through all the pictures of the vulvas and just was fascinated with all of it. So for me personally, what I, what was so empowering for me was that was the first time in my life that I truly understood how my cycles worked. I truly understood how my body worked. And, and I, I found it just bewildering that at the time I was 28 years old I'm like, how on earth? that I get to be 28 years old and I didn't understand the role of cervical fluid. I never really had a good idea or understanding of how ovulation worked or why it was so important. And being able to truly read my body to understand, okay, where am I at in my cycle today was so empowering for me because one of the things that it really did for me was I have, I've struggled with anxiety, panic attack, my 
panic attacks my whole life. And when I started charting my cycles and understanding how my hormones cycle through, you know, on a monthly basis, I realized that I would notice differences sort of in my mood and my energy at different phases. So when you're getting ready to start your period and you're PMSing and your, you know, your, your progesterone and your estrogen are starting to kind of tank, of course, you, your mood is not as great. Your energy isn't as good. And something that I spent years doing that I, I didn't really know was I would think, oh, like I'm sort of feeling like sad. I'm kind of feeling anxious. Like, does this mean I'm like, is my anxiety worsening? Is there something wrong with me? And when I had this understanding of my cycles and how my hormones affected my body in different ways, I stopped pathologizing myself. I stopped saying, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing inherently wrong with me. It's that I'm getting ready to start my period. (laughs) You know, it's okay for me to take some time off. It's okay for me to take some rest. And actually I should right now because this is where I'm at in my cycle. So for me, it became this really empowering self-care tool And in addition to that, the other thing that it really did that I sometimes get teary eyed talking about is that it really healed my relationship with my body. I struggled with body image my whole life. And when you learn how your your cycles work, how your body works, you start to become so appreciative of, of what it does. And especially when I started taking my, my FEM certification, which I can talk about more later, but my certification was really focused on understanding the cycle, not just for family planning purposes. You know, that was a part of the curriculum and the training that I went through, but it was also to look at the cycle as a diagnostic tool. So being able to see, okay, there's something not working here, or there's something not working right. So being able to recognize in my charts okay, I just had a very delayed ovulation. I must be very stressed. I know I need to really take time and de-stress. And it's an incredible body literacy tool. It's an incredible, just a really great tool to understand yourself and be able to use your cycle charts as a self-care tool. It's just incredible. And in my business, so I, I run a business called Empowered Coaching, and I, fo- I focus specifically on serving women who are trying to conceive and, and going through this process of trying to get pregnant. And what I have heard, I think, the most from the clients I've worked with so far is that being able to understand your cycle and, and charting it and being able to truly recognize your fertile days gives women somewhat of a sense of control in the process. Now, obviously you, you don't have full control of the process. I mean, we know that, but one of the number one things I hear from my clients is that this gives me a tool to not only understand my body and understand how to time sex appropriately, but it gives me some sort of a sense of purpose in this process. And I'm not just sitting by idly and hoping that it happens or just going to my doctor every other month with, you know, with questions is that I can really tune in and have a role in this process. And I think that in and of itself is really powerful. No, I loved what you talked about, Tessa. So not too long ago, I read, or maybe you had recommended it was Moody Bitches. (gasps) Yes. Yeah, it was Moody Bitches. And then what's the rest of it? Like the drugs you're taking and the sex you're not having and something else. But it was this really interesting book. And I 
too, it was really the first time I recognized how empowering knowing your cycle and what's happening can be. And I'll specifically never forget the part where she's talking about PMS, those like few days before you get your period. And, you know, she talks about how chemically speaking, you know, during the first part of your cycle, you're you're in a better state. But then, like you said, when your hormones drop, your tolerance, basically your tolerance for bullshit also drops. Like something that bothered you before you could roll off, like you could handle it more easily. But in that time, right before your period, you don't have the tools to handle it the way that you, you know, your body, you're just not going to handle it the way you did earlier in your cycle. And she's like, you know, and so much when you think of, we'll just put it under the patriarchy makes women be like, you're crazy. Something's wrong with you and pathologizes that time. And she's like, no, no, no. That is a great window into seeing what's really bothering you in your life. Like, what is it that you're now not tolerating that maybe you need to address so that it doesn't keep bothering you and keep weighing on you. And it was this interesting shift of like, instead of being like, oh my God, I'm so crazy and probably like driving everyone nuts to be like, you know what? It does piss me off that you don't help me with the laundry. <laughs> and like, we we need to figure out a new process. I mean, that's really benign, but you know what I mean? And like talking about how then don't schedule things during that time. Really yep. stressful if you know that you, that's just not a great time for you to be in your best space. And so I, it was really fascinating. That book really did kind of flip it on its head for me. Instead of being like, ugh, my period and being like, okay, yeah. this is a part of my body because I don't also don't want to pass that on to my daughter, that it's something to fear, hate having. It's like, no, this is empowering. And this is how you can use this as a, as a tool in your life as an indicator. Oh, Yeah. And, you know, I, some of my clients and actually some of my students that I worked with while I was doing my certification, they found that piece of it, particularly the most empowering part. I had one of my students was really, really struggling with what she thought she might've had maybe some PMDD, some premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And for her, when she learned how to chart her cycles and she learned how to identify where she was at in her cycles she explained that was a complete game changer for her because she used to be, she, she kind of explained this, you know, she used to be really hard on herself during those times and think, you know, what's wrong with me? Like, you just need to get up and pick up and go. And the other thing that for her, she said would, would be very difficult was in those times, this feeling of feeling like this is going to last forever. Like, when is this going to end? When am I going to feel like myself again? And when she learned about her cycle and she learned how to identify where she was at, she knew how to plan ahead for that week, week and a half when she felt that way. And she also knew that when she got to that that time of her cycle, that it wasn't going to last forever. She knew, okay, this is short term. I'm going to start my period on this date. And so right now I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm not going to pathologize myself or beat myself up because I'm not if I'm not performing the way that I did two weeks ago. And that's amazing. I, I think we need to I truly like this information needs to be included in sex education programs so that young menstruators can learn this information and not be like you said, like smashed by the patriarchy when she's getting ready to start her period and she feels a little bit irritated. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's how our hormones work. 
I just want to go on the record and say that sometimes I think men have this similar <laughs> pattern too, and we just, you know, never know know about anything about that. So yeah, well, and I'll say when I learned about this, I started also kind of digging into how male hormones work, and and the male cycle is a twenty four hour period. So females, on general, cycle their hormone cycle through on a you know average 28, 29 day basis. Whereas males, their hormones cycle through on a 24-hour basis. So they're super moody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so truly. I'm just teasing. Yeah. Sort of. Well, and I'll tell you what, it's so funny because my husband, I noticed this. He, if he's going to be grumpy, which is usually in a pretty good spirits, but if he's going to be grumpy, I call it his witching hour, which is between the hours of 4 and 6 p.m., if he's going to be grumpy, it's during that time. Like he, he just is just irritable and frustrated and doesn't have many much patience. I'm like, you're in your luteal phase. You're like getting ready to start your period. <laughs> my husband, I can already hear and see my husband rolling his eyes if I were to ever <laughs> say that to him. <laughs> challenge accepted (laughs) my husband is he hears me talk about this stuff all the time like actually it cracks me up because sometimes I really do I say to him I'm like you actually probably know more about the female body than a lot of other females do just because you're hearing these conversations all the time and it's it's just it's so interesting and you know and that's another thing that's really empowering about this too is I have found it to be helpful with my relationship when I know that I am it heading into my luteal phase, I, for me, what I notice I get really irritated with, I do not like being questioned. I don't like someone questioning, why are you doing that? Why are you doing this? How's, you know, and my husband's sort of a question asker and not from a stance of like, oh, I think you should do it my way. It's just, he's very curious. And for some reason that just really irritates me. And so I let him know ahead of time, Hey, we're heading into this, this season. So just maybe Tune the question asking back a little bit. Just make sure that you are prepared to go get me some chocolate when I need it. And we'll get through this together. (laughs) That sounds awesome. So, yes, it does sound very empowering. (laughs) Okay, so our next question then is how can fertility awareness or seeking fertility awareness be a complementary therapy to traditional OB-GYN services? Yeah, this is a great question. And I would actually say that I would love to see fertility awareness and patients being able to chart their cycles with fertility awareness be a part of OBGYN services. And let me explain why. One of the key things that I that I think what fertility awareness allows a patient and a provider to do is be very proactive. So, you know, if young menstruators are learning how to chart their cycles and they understand what constitutes a healthy versus a, an abnormal menstrual cycle, what that allows a lot of women and a lot of females to do is be able to, to recognize issues early and get them addressed. And I think if more OBGYNs understood this and they had patients that had this level of literacy and body awareness, what it would really allow them to do is intervene in issues early. So for example, take PCOS, for example, it it takes women many, many years to get an official diagnosis of PCOS and even longer for endometriosis. And so if patients and providers had this information and more people had this understanding of how the menstrual cycle is supposed to work, what we would be able to do is red flag things so much quicker 
instead of waiting years and years and years or telling patients to, well, just come back when you're ready to get pregnant, which that's a whole nother issue in and of itself. But I, I, I really do. I think that, yes, it can be complimentary, but ideally, I personally would love to see these services being a part of OBGYN care. I can certainly see how that would really create a more rich discussion and a maybe even a more efficient discussion, yeah. especially when you think of how, the short time that like an OBGYN has with someone. That if someone came in with all this information and literacy, think about how much that would save time on a provider having to do that education. So I love your perspective that this would really, it would be together. Yeah, kind of the same thing. Like I did a study um, for my dissertation and it wasn't obviously looking at fertility awareness, but it was about reproductive life planning, which is kind of complementary to this. But a lot of the providers I interviewed were just so frustrated that women or girls had no knowledge when they came into the office of their bodies or their cycles or anatomy or anything like that. And so they felt like they were spending a good chunk of of an appointment or more teaching them about these things because there is no, you know, there's not great sex education. There's just, there just isn't that education, unfortunately. Oh, totally. And I think this is so relevant to this podcast, but that creates such a gap in communication because, you know, on one hand, you've got someone coming into the office and whatever their goals are, whatever issues they're having, they're going in and, and people go to their providers and expect their providers to just have all the answers. And that's very difficult for a provider. That's a lot of pressure on a provider, especially in a 15 to 20 minute time frame that, that they would have with a patient. And so, you know, one of the things that I see with my clients and, and my clients are all trying to conceive is that they, they've never learned this information. They've been on birth control for many years. They, they say, I don't even remember the last time I had a period. And now I want to get pregnant. I I have no idea how to tell when I ovulate. I don't know when I'm supposed to be having sex, you know? And so people go down this path of trying to conceive and either it's not happening or they they're noticing, okay, I'm not having a period. I don't know what's going on. And so they go to their, their doctors expecting them to have all the answers and to fix it. But when you think about the, the menstrual cycle and fertility, it's, it's so complex. I mean, it's, it's so complex. And I think that's why so many people struggle and people struggle to get answers is because it's it's a it's a complex picture. And so I always like to explain, and I use this analogy a lot, is that the menstrual cycle chart in and of itself, when you so if you have a patient that's been charting their cycles with, you know, they're tracking their cervical fluid, they're they're paying attention to their bleeding patterns, you know, how much are they bleeding during their menses and how long are their luteal phases? And you, you collect all this data. And I, I like to use the analogy that it's kind of like the borders of a puzzle. So if you go to put a puzzle together, obviously there's lots of parts and it's going to be very difficult to put that picture together if you just start kind of trying to throw pieces together. So what you usually do, I don't know about you all, but when I put a puzzle together, I start with the border. So I, I put the border together and then that way I have a parameter and I know where to start. And then that makes it easier for me to fill in the rest of the pieces. And I'd love to just share an example of kind of what this looks like just personally. Obviously, I chart my cycles. I mean, I'm an educator, so I practice what I preach. And, you know, my husband and I started trying to conceive this this past fall. 
And I noticed pretty quickly that I was still having some irregularities in my cycles. I was still going probably longer than what I should have been between periods and was having some spotting in my luteal phase. And so I gathered all this data and I actually connected with a doctor here in Cedar Rapids who uh, her background, she was trained, I believe in the Creighton method. So the Creighton method is a, a method of fertility awareness that also trains healthcare providers around how to look at a cycle chart and use it to evaluate. So how to use it as a, as, as a diagnostic tool. And I have to say it was the best experience that I have ever had personally with a healthcare provider because what I was able to do was send her my chart. So before my appointment, before I even went in to see her, she had me send all of my charts. Um, she wanted to take a look at them and kind of get an idea of what might be going on. And then when I actually went into the office, we she already had a starting point. It, it saved so much time because she said, thank you for sending me these charts. I've been able to take a look at them. I have a, a decent idea of, I think, what might be going on. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start doing some labs on your um, peak plus four, which is which means four days after you ovulate. And we're going to do some blood work and figure out what's causing some of these symptoms and what's causing your irregularities. And then after all the blood work com- came back, I found that I was in fact ovulating, but when I got to my mid luteal phase, so about a week after I would ovulate, my progesterone levels were tanking, like they were completely dipping off, which was causing some of the spotting that I was noticing. And it was also causing some of my headaches and some of the other just physical symptoms that I was having. And so I knew that that was going to be my experience just based on my certification and my training, but it was so amazing to experience it and say, wow, like this is really what women's reproductive healthcare should be because it was so efficient. I, you know, I had the tools to be able to identify some of these issues myself. And I had a provider that, I mean, the the cycle chart in and of itself saved so much time. You know, she didn't tell me, oh, just keep trying to get pregnant for a year. And, you know, she didn't throw me on Clomid right away. Or there's kind of standard procedures that we go through with infertility or when women are trying to get pregnant, but it's not personalized. And, you know, she was able to look at my charts and say, okay, it looks, it, we're pretty sure that you're ovulating, but based on some of your other symptoms, here's what I think might be going on. And I'm going to run some specific tests to figure it out. And I just, I think that it was just incredible. And from the patient perspective, what that did for me was I felt actually part of my healthcare. I felt like the discussion was really well, I felt like it was it was about me. It wasn't someone telling me, oh, I know better than you do. Here's what we're going to do. It was, I hear you. I see you. I see kind of what's going on with your body. And we're going to take more of a personalized approach to get you answers. And we are all about that. So if we could talk a little bit about birth control, we know that you have some strong and substantiated feelings about birth control. Can you share with us some of your thoughts about birth control and how it should be used and discussed? Absolutely. So I want to talk about this in sort of two different buckets. So one, when we're talking about birth control for contraception, so What I feel and really what I hope a lot of providers listening would would agree with me on is that when you have a patient who does not want to have a child, whether they never want to have a child or they're not ready to yet, is that that patient deserves to have an understanding of all of their contraceptive options. And I'm talking from sterilization to using nothing at all. 
And I recognize that that's difficult to do again in a, an appointment with a physician who has maybe 15, 20 minutes. But something that I feel very strongly about is that every person has an understanding of all of their options, including fertility awareness methods. And the reason I feel that way is because I really do not like the tiered efficacy approach that is used traditionally in healthcare settings, which I'm sure most listeners know what I'm talking about. But, you know, when you have a patient that doesn't want to get pregnant, typically we start with, okay, what are the most effective methods and what are the methods that are going to require the least of the patient to avoid pregnancy? I think where that model is broken is that that's only taking efficacy into account. It's not taking into account what has this patient's experience been like with with other birth control methods? What are their cycles like? I mean, we know that some IUD options can make periods heavier and longer. So if you have a patient that has a history of long, heavy periods, you know, that might, even though that IUD is probably going to be the most effective for preventing pregnancy for her, what is that going to do to her quality of life if her periods become heavier, longer, more painful. And the thing is, is that I do have acquaintances and and clients even that have brought up to providers. I don't want to use a hormonal birth control method. I'm interested in using a fertility awareness method. And what I see happen all the time, which is very frustrating is that providers are very discouraging around someone using that. And I think it's challenging because On one hand, I recognize that a lot of providers may not be well aware, educated around different fertility awareness-based methods. But if you have a patient that is truly interested in that, being able to at least have the resources or referral points to say, you know what, I don't know a ton about that. But if this is something that you're interested in, I highly recommend that you work with an educator or you spend some time really learning about these methods. And here are some links or resources that you can do that. So that's the one side of birth control for contraception. Now, the other side of it that I feel very strongly about is we have got to stop prescribing birth control to treat or regulate menstrual cycle issues because birth control does not regulate cycle issues. (laughs) And when you're taking a hormonal birth control method, you're you're turning off the HPA axis. You're stopping the way that the brain and the ovaries are communicating. And so if you have a patient coming in, I mean, just like myself, you know, I was going sometimes a year without a period and told, we'll just put you on birth control and that will regulate things. But that's not how it works. And I ended up finding out that I had a thyroid disorder and I have no idea how long that that went on, but When someone comes in and they have an issue with their cycles, and I'm talking long cycles, heavy periods, painful periods, whatever it is, that should be a red flag to say, there's something going on. We need to look into this and figure out what is happening with the reproductive, their endocrine system, and figure out what that is before we throw birth control on it to to regulate it. And that is really the the movement of, I think that's one of the other questions you all had was about what do we mean by the fifth vital sign? And that's really what that means is being able to recognize that when a patient has cycle issues, it's very important to recognize them, diagnose them and treat them early without letting those conditions worsen over time. I just want to kind of add to that to a couple of other episodes that we have done. One of them is uh, contraceptive decision-making with Christine Dellendorf. And I really like that one for the reason that you said too, it's 
it's she talks about shared decision making and not just relying on that tiered system. Like if a patient comes to you and that's efficacy is the most important thing to them, that's their highest priority, then yeah, like maybe talking about those is fine. But if their if their priority is something else, like that it's easy to use or doesn't cause symptoms or, you know, side effects or that kind of thing, then don't keep pushing these highly effective methods because that might not be the end of the world to that patient if they got pregnant. They might not really want to right now, but if it's not, it still lowers their risk, right? And then the other episode that we have was about PCOS by Dr. Rashmi Kudasia. And she talks about how a lot of young women come into their OB-GYN complaining of cycle issues, possibly, you know, the even the provider might recognize that they might have PCOS or that they do, but then it's just this automatic here's birth control. And often the patient will ask like, well, what about getting pregnant? Well, we'll worry about that when the time comes. So I think it's just pushing the issues down the line and that can have consequences. And then also leads to, again, just like pushing birth control and not really dealing with the underlying issues. So I recommend those other episodes too, because I think they they really work nicely with what you just said. But I think what that does to a patient, this is just my personal experience, was I always knew someday I wanted to have a family and having these irregular cycles and being told, oh, well, we'll just have to put you on birth control. And I remember doctors even saying to me, well, we'll just we'll just give you COVID someday when you want to have a baby. And that makes it really terrifying to think like, oh, like maybe my body is just broken and this is always, this is going to be something that's going to be a problem. Um, so that's really disempowering. And so I... I feel very, very strongly that, that that's something that really needs to be changed with, with how we're approaching reproductive health care. So on a phone call, you previously mentioned that you surprisingly do a lot of work that focuses on helping folks advocate for themselves. Can you share more about this, including what folks are needing to advocate for? Yeah, definitely. So I'd say one of the one of the main things that I am helping or I'm finding myself helping clients more and more with is communication tools, honestly. So one of the the things that I hear a lot is that I went to the doctor, we've been struggling to get pregnant and either one or two things are happening. Either I'm being told to just, oh, just relax, go home, keep trying for a year. Or I'm being told, oh, well, all we can really do for you is prescribe Clomid or Letrozole or something. And some people may not want to start with the the fertility drugs right away. A lot of my clients are coming and saying, I recognize, I think something's going on with my fertility. I just don't, I don't know what it is yet. And so very first step is, of course, is, is the education. It's the, the instruction on how to chart the cycles. And I always explain exactly what I talked about earlier is that, you know, we're going to start with your cycle, we're going to gather some data. And that's going to be our puzzle border and and where we're going to start. And then one of the the main things I do, and this is what I learned in my certification program and my training was being able to look at a cycle chart and to recognize potential issues. And so I always make it very clear. I'm not a healthcare provider. I, I do not diagnose, but what I can do is I can look at the cycle chart and I can at least come up with a list of things that need to be either looked into or diagnosed or cared for. And so what the advocacy piece looks like is I'm helping my clients figure out what those questions are they need to be asking and what they need to be asking for. And again, that that truly 
helps with the communication piece is that then they're coming in, they're going into their appointment, and they're not just expecting their doctor to have all the answers. It's they're coming in and saying, here's some things I'd like to look into. This is why I'm I'm interested in this. And this is why this is a concern of mine. And that's the really the big piece that I, I help people advocate for. And the other thing is that, you know, I've also had clients that will go into their providers and ask for a referral or ask for certain labs or diagnostics to be run and their providers will straight out refuse and not give them any reasoning behind it or, or not say, oh, I don't think that this is a problem. I think this is a problem. And so they're being left without any answers. And so the other thing I help them with is really, truly advocating for themselves and saying, you know what, I if your provider isn't going to take the time to really help you with this and and look into things or explain their reasoning, sometimes it's even as simple as reminding them, you have the right to choose a different provider. You you absolutely have a right to go see someone different and can get a second opinion. And that's something that's really hard for a lot of women, especially when they have an OBGYN or healthcare provider that they've developed some sort of relationship with or they've established with, but then they get to this point in their lives where they're trying to conceive and they're not getting answers and they're not getting help. And so I, I really do help people walk through finding a different provider. And one of the great things about the certification program I went through is that they have a medical management component where they also certify um, healthcare providers. And so I have a network of providers that I can refer clients to who can look at their cycle charts and understand what they're looking at and then take the time to figure out what labs and diagnostics need to be run so that they can start getting answers to their fertility challenges. Yeah, and I've definitely have had to take a page out of Tessa's book because I've had to do a fair share of advocating for myself lately, and especially when it came to labs and saying, no, I I want this specifically drawn. So thank you for empowering me as well. (laughs) You're welcome. Anytime. That's what I'm here for. Is there a place where someone could look for those providers who have been certified? Yeah. If you go to www.femmhealth.org, there's actually a link on the on the website. So the website I just shared is the website of the certification program I went through. And they actually have a tab. I believe it's in the top right-hand corner where you can find providers. And One of the great things is that there, so of course, there's only a handful of these providers around the country, but one of the things that was the benefit of the pandemic is that now they have providers that can provide telehealth in all 50 states. So if you are someone in a, like a rural community, or maybe you find a provider that's a few hours away and that's not accessible for you they do offer telehealth appointments and then they can work directly with your local clinic or a local lab to get the the diagnostic test that 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 they would recommend and i actually just had a client that had a telehealth appointment with a a fem provider she had a fantastic experience and she is starting lab work next week to hopefully get some answers to her her cycle issues so it's it's a really great resource i'd highly recommend physicians check that out too thank you yeah So can we talk then on the flip side? So what can clinicians, what kind of tips do you have for clinicians when they're communicating about fertility awareness methods or even cycle tracking with patients? Yeah, several, actually. I I think first and foremost, I would really encourage if you're a healthcare provider listening and 
maybe you don't know a ton about fertility awareness, I just really challenge you to go and and learn more about them. And a really fantastic resource that I always recommend to providers is an organization called FACTS. So it's the Fertility Appreciation Collaborative to Teach the Sciences. So it's a nonprofit organization founded and ran by Dr. Marguerite Duane, who learned about fertility awareness methods while she was in medical school and really was just very fascinated by them and and wanted to teach her colleagues about about the methods themselves and how providers can incorporate them into their practice. And so FACTS has a really great, I know they offer some electives, they work a lot with med students, but then I believe they have some online training opportunities for CEUs on their website to, to learn about fertility awareness and how to counsel your patients with who are interested in using them. And so I would really recommend that. The other thing that I really love about FACTS is that they can also connect you with a patient or someone who uses fertility awareness, whether to achieve or avoid pregnancy, and just have a conversation with them and learn about how they chart and what it's done for them. I actually connect with healthcare providers every once in a while, they'll send me someone and I will talk to them on the phone and just talk about my own experiences with with using fertility awareness and how it has completely changed my life. And so I guess I would just really say, I really encourage providers to just learn, don't assume and don't judge and and definitely don't shame a a patient who wants a a non-hormonal or more natural method of contraception. And for providers that work within the fertility space, I really, really encourage them to, to, to learn more about fertility awareness and how the cycle itself can be a diagnostic tool and really save you time in your practice when you when you have that data. And actually, Lisa Hendrickson-Jack, who is a somewhat well-known certified fertility awareness educator, um, she's also the author of a great book called The Fifth Vital Sign. She offers a mentorship program for healthcare providers that teaches them the tools to do this. So that teaches them how to, how to look at a cycle chart and how to use it as a diagnostic tool. So that's another great resource. And I, I linked those in, in the, the notes that I sent over for the show notes as well. Yeah, we'll be sure to include all of that. So I think you may have hit on a little bit of this, but what is the one thing you would want all clinicians to know about fertility awareness? Just one thing. Um, okay, a couple. <laughs> <laughs> the top ones. I I would say that the number one thing I just I want all clinicians to know is that modern fertility awareness based methods are based in sound science and evidence. I really would love to see a day when all providers were at least knowledgeable or aware of them and had the resources and tools to refer patients out to someone like me who who educates and actually teaches the patient about how to chart their cycle so that they can come into their appointments with this amazing diagnostic tool on hand and save everybody a lot of time and stress. (laughs) Are you available for providers to refer patients to even outside of Iowa or? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can work with anybody. And I also, I put it in the show notes too. I'm also open to talking to providers. Like if there's a provider that listens and they're like, I just want to talk to this person and learn more (laughs) about the methods. I I mean, I do that as a, a member of FACTS, like providers will contact me. So I'm literally happy to share my email, my contact information. And if someone wants to have a conversation, I would love to to talk more about it. 
Well, Tessa, what's even your social media? I know you're getting bigger on Instagram, so folks could just send you a DM. So how how can they find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at Tessa N as in Nicole Mills. And yeah, you can send me a DM there and you can also link to my website and I have a, a link on my website that you can set up a set up a call with me. And what's your website? www.empoweredcoaching.com. And that is spelled E-M-P-O-W-H-E-R-E-D coaching.com. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. So I think you probably listed, you listed a lot of resources so far. Are there any other resources that you would like to share with our listeners? I can't think of any. If I do later and I'm sitting there going, oh, shoot, I forgot to tell them about this. I'll just email Nicole and and have her put it in the show notes as a list of resources. But yeah, I think I shared all the ones that I that I always recommend for providers. All right. So I'm going to wrap us up. So I would personally like to thank you so much for your time and commitment to advancing sexual and reproductive health through communication and for sharing your personal stories with us. Do you have any last thoughts that you would like to add before we end today? Yeah, thank you all so much for having me. I, first of all, really appreciate just having this opportunity to to chat with you all and to, to talk about fertility awareness. And I really hope that there are providers listening that hopefully learn a thing or two that they can incorporate into their practice. And the only thing I would just add is I, I, I really just, I hope that we can continue to, to progress and move forward with women's reproductive health care and truly recognize the cycle as a vital sign and, and kind of change the narrative around that periods are horrible and, <laughs> and that women can get really good proactive reproductive health care. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Tessa. Yay. Thank you all for having me. And as always, we hope that you enjoyed another episode of the Woman-Centered Health Podcast. We are always looking for new supporters, sponsors, and guests. So if you'd like to be on our show or know someone who you think would be perfect, let us know. You can find more information on how to support us and contact us on our website at www.womancenteredhealth.com. <laughs>